0: to The Future Starts With You, where we explore career readiness initiatives with the people doing the real work in the field, from the classroom to administrators, industry and beyond. I'm Jewel Alderson and our work at the San Diego County Office of Education is focused on ensuring all students have a future without boundaries. We're excited to have you with us today because like the title says, the future starts with you. Today we are at Mount Miguel High School and we are here talking to Harold Mumford and uh, we're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining today.
1: Thank you for being here. I think it's a great opportunity to share what project-based learning is all about.
0: Fantastic, well, let's kick it off and let you kind of introduce uh, where you're coming from. What do you teach now? uh, What have you taught uh, over the years? And uh, what's your background in the industry that brought you into CTE?
1: Well, I'm an actual graduate from UCSD. Um, that was a long time ago. And during that period of time, I was, had a four-year internship with NASA as a, uh, basically a programmer in computer IT when we started with CPM software a long time ago. And then two years into my internship, we switched to DOS, so I made a lot of databases. I actually helped um, in that program out at the Deep Space Network to codify documents so that they could be cross-referenced with um, the SOPs or their, their, their entire books and the actual um, blueprints. So mm. I've been in blueprints and doing that stuff for a long time and also in databases since I was in college. I just was training to be a lawyer and got the call to be a teacher. I think that it ended up being a really great opportunity for me to come here. I was working with the with the early outreach program as a speaker, a guest speaker, and I would speak at all the high schools or many of the high schools around San Diego County to recruit kids to come to UCSD and to actually prepare themselves for college, um, and it just kind of stuck on me that I was really good at it. And so I changed my plan. I used a scholarship. I am a Harcourt scholar. So I used my graduate scholarship and became a teacher. And here I am today. I teach English, social science, and engineering. I also have a bilingual credential. I was I was nationally credentialed as a bilingual educator for uh, 10 years. Um, and I just love to teach. So how did I end up in engineering? It's all a serendipitous accident. (laughs) But most of my experience with engineering came through FIRST Robotics, which is the premier robotics program in the world. And I just kind of got sucked in once I saw how well students were learning in that program and how responsible and competent they became over a very short period of time. I was hooked on project lead, project, um, project-based project project learning. I also was introduced during that time to Project Lead the Way um, through my own children and them taking the curriculum at Patrick Henry High School. And again, very impressed by what they were being asked to do at a young age. And I really saw like, oh, my kids can leave high school and be productive in college, get a job while they're in college and actually work you know so i'm very much into competency and capacity um school to career is something for my own life i started working when i was 14 and it's never been disconnected from what i've been doing so uh, it's it's why i'm here and um i'm fortunate enough to be able to take tests really well So here I am. I'm like, I'm an engineering teacher.
0: The quality of an excellent teacher is your ability to take tests because uh, a lot of times, you know, those of us who are really successful in education, we come back to become educators because our qualification to become them is often about taking tests. Uh, But we know that when it comes to industry, tests are not the standard. So uh, the fun thing is when we incorporate project-based learning, we can really shift what it means to assess student learning and uh, give students uh, deliverables that don't need you to uh, fill C for the things that you don't need. So tell me a little bit about uh, some of the projects that you have enjoyed doing with your students the most over the years.
1: Well, if you're this is a podcast, of course, but you're sitting in a one point two five million dollar facility, and there are seven large CNC type machines in here, and the students built them.
0: Oh, they, they built the machines they themselves. Came in
1: crates, and we built them together. Nice. So these tables that you're sitting at, I have six industrial tables in this room. Of Students took them out of the box, put them together. That's what I did for the first year because um, that was the year before COVID. Wow. And it made sense that we would build this space. So um, personally, I do not like to do the work. I like to train students to do the work. So everything you see that is somehow modified or on uh, the whole place is modular. The, every, every piece of equipment is on wheels. That was all done or created or built by students. So I like to tell them, fire me, please. Get me out of the way. You guys do the work.
0: I love it because uh, traditionally as teachers, we are the owner of information. We distribute that information and hopefully uh, they receive enough information in order to take that test that we were talking about. Um, But in project-based learning, uh, one of the biggest challenges is letting go of being the expert or sage on the stage. Uh, And so maybe tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that your students have been able to do uh, in in this space.
1: Absolutely. Um, I look at myself as a mentor Mm. and, and as a facilitator and a trainer. So I always build, I'm always building leadership into my program. Um, My student, I have a, I have a classroom president for every class I have project managers for every group. They come together, they build their team norms, they create whatever they're going to create within the constraints of the project that I'm dumping on them. I like to say, I like to, I like to dump a challenge in the middle of the room, um, have them select groups and have real clear leadership. And then I like to leave, So I'm not around during the whining, crying, complaining. (laughs) And, and, and the truth is I'm going to dump a project or a problem in the room and let students solve it so in this space we build um, 40 pound robots we build um, auto guided vehicles we build robotic arms we build um we build automata and we build toys their first year basically we're a toy manufacturer the first year so they come in and they start getting into the space and they start making mistakes really, really quick with cheap materials. And then as they grow in capacity and competence, um, their materials increase. Like I have hardwood, I have aluminum, I have things that they can use when I know they're not going to cost me a lot of money. But if we have to start with styrofoam, that's good enough for me. And that's the concept, they have to start. They have to start working, I would say by week three. Um, they will be doing a project this week, this week, trying to rescue, um, sick animals from the top of a hill and they have to build a cable, a cable system in the room and they get like an hour and a half to do it. And just dumping the projects, I dump the constraints on them as well. And I leave it to them to figure it out, to iterate, um, on the wall, it says we function by ideation, iteration innovation, invention, and all of it needs to be done with intent.
0: Those are words we should all live by, I think. Um, And and isn't that what we face every day when we get to our email inbox and we have been dumped all of these different problems that we need to find solutions to? So by giving uh, our students opportunities to do that and to have that, um, you know, grappling with a problem and coming up with their own creative solutions. I wonder, do you ever see them come up with a solution that you never thought of yourself?
1: It happens that way in in first all the time, because when you give kids that amount of responsibility and that amount of challenge, then they will go home and they will rise to it. My job is to help them stay calm, cool, and collected while they do that.
0: While students are doing really authentic activities in the classroom, one of the best ways to bring authenticity is through uh, authentic audience or industry partnerships. So can you talk a little bit about how you've incorporated industry into the projects that your students are working on?
1: Well, I think uh, industry and education. Um, I have student mentors that come from UCSD. They actually come here. We, We provide the programs here at Mount Miguel. I have the space to work here. I um, have two mentors that work with me on machining and teaching. One is from Northrop Grumman. The other one is an inventor and a master um, machinist. Um, And they will come in on Thursdays and Fridays, and they will be here after school to support students. And Mike is actually now coming during the school day on Fridays, and he's a head subsystem engineer at Northrop Grumman. So I, I believe in bringing the professionals here. We um, we're very fortunate to have a, um, a a woman engineer who works for the Deep Space Network of NASA, who is a former student. Um, I just had my valedictorian student come back and speak to my classes today. I think what I'm trying to do is create a very germane connection to this place. People go and come back and it's working right now. And I'm really only, this is really my only second year doing it Mm. because we, I started and we got hit by the pandemic. And even then um, my goal was to grow my classes and fill them up and they are now 95% full.
0: Traditionally, are you using an open house as a student showcase opportunity as well with projects?
1: Absolutely, that's what it's, it's there for student leadership, um, it's it's there to actually invite middle, um, middle schools but it, it's always about showcasing what the kids are doing at the time um, so I kind of want to pull that in I want to make it um, again I don't want to have 50 different events I'm not checking boxes I, I want to do something authentic and the authentic way to do it is to do it all the time absolutely right like being public being professional every day and that's what I'm, what I'm aiming for in this program. Because I get to build it from the ground up, that's what we're quickly becoming and um, adding more resources every day.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I like you just mentioned something that's really interesting about recruitment and using those public exhibitions and middle schoolers uh, come over. Can you tell me more about that relationship with your middle schools and, and how you entice them over to see your uh, exhibitions?
1: We go to the middle school twice a year and we, students we show our students, no, students. Fantastic. students go to middle school twice a year. Um, I'm actually working this year to actually um, take a student group over there to build an AGV with classes at our, our main feeder school, which is a STEM school. Um, we also participate every year in their STEM night where our students go over and have a showcase of what we do here but also in, have a, a robotics um, experience for the kids at three different levels.
0: Is your first robotics program primarily after school or is that part of the class uh, or a little bit of
1: both? It's, it's both. And, and it's also part of our outreach program too. So we have some Saturday sessions that the kids plan for everybody at Mount Miguel. We did a introduction to computer programming with UCSD Computer Science Outreach last year. It went really well. We're gonna do that more than I think four times this year.
0: Well, um, as we're wrapping up, I do wanna ask you what your advice would be for a teacher who's interested in embracing project-based learning in their class.
1: My advice is do it. You're working too hard and the kids aren't working hard enough. Most of the barriers that are that you believe are in the way of you doing project-based learning in your class are really fears that you might have personally of letting go. Um, this job is about letting go and having fun. It also requires that you have really strong ears and really strong sense of, of being able to read facial expressions so that you can hear what the kids are doing at all times and stay out of most of it, but intervene immediately when the, the kids think I have some kind of superpower. I said, no, I just hear, I just hear things really well. Um, when you're making a mistake. Um, and you are constantly going to be building a culture. You're not gonna be thinking about your subject at all. That should be done outside the class. That's those are the problems you create outside of this space. When you're in the classroom, you get an opportunity to just relate to kids and appreciate them for what they can bring.
0: Any last things you want to share about project-based learning or just the power of CTE?
1: The power of CTE is incredible, but I'm going to argue, not it's not in and of itself. What what my secret sauce is, is actually working with families, and embracing families, and in, and basically asking for their permission to challenge their kids in meaningful ways. I will meet with every family over the next two weeks.
0: Well, Harold, this has been fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Uh, Thank you so much for giving up your lunch for us. And uh, we look forward to seeing the amazing things coming out of your class in the future.
1: Well, thank you. And I hope this helps.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode. If you have questions about this episode, career readiness in general, or would be interested in being a guest on the podcast, check out the show notes. We would love to hear from you. The work you are doing makes a real impact. So keep up the good work until next time, because as you know, the future starts with you.